a series this January uh, called Money Talks. So we've been looking at our relationship with money and how it impacts our lives. Uh, the next couple weeks will end. I'm going to be done talking about money at the end of January. So if you enjoyed it, you'll be sad that the series is over. If you're like, man, when's he going to be done with money? Next week is it. And then you'll be like, whew, what a relief. Uh, so next week we will give our update of where all the money went in 2014 and kind of what the plan is for this coming year. So you won't want to miss that. And uh, we'll talk about a little more specifically why we give to the church, what it does in our lives and how it affects us. Uh, but today we're going to focus a little bit on generosity. Uh, so where we've looked at so far, in case you weren't with us, just for a quick recap, uh, we said that money is just a tool. It's, it's indifferent. Money is not good, bad, or ugly, but we have to watch ourselves because our relationship with money can be good, bad, or ugly. And we want to keep it in a place where it's good, where our lives are marked by thankfulness and generosity. That means we have a good relationship with money. Uh, it gets bad when it starts to compete for our affections, and it gets ugly when money becomes our God. And we begin to order our lives around money, and it takes the place of where God should be in our lives. Where do we look for our, uh, our sustaining and our protection? And when money gets in that place, it is ugly. And uh, last week we looked a little bit at Jesus's life to see some interactions that he had with money. Uh, we said that Jesus probably had a lot of interactions with money because unless uh, Joseph had a massive gambling problem and was at the camel track every week, uh, when the wise men came and said, here are gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, their family was established with some wealth. So Jesus probably grew up knowing and learning how to interact with money. Uh, we said last week one of the things we would see is in Jesus' teachings, we need to remember to be the most thankful for the spiritual riches he has given us. That is number one in our lives, what we should thank him for, our salvation, the fact that his spirit dwells within us. That should be the number one thing we are thankful for. But we also said we should not discount the material blessings that he's promised to pour into our lives. Uh, we also said last week that lack is not a fruit of the kingdom of God. We cannot be content with lack and poverty because that was part of the curse. When, uh, when people are living under the curse, they are dwelling in poverty. That's something Jesus wants eradicated out of the world. So we can't be content with lack. And then uh, we, we talked a little bit about Jesus and Judas. Why would Jesus' group have needed a treasurer if they didn't have any money? And Judas was a thief. We learned that last week. And we said the fact that Judas was a, a thief did not affect Jesus' ministry. We can't let somebody else's bad relationship with money impact us. And then the, the last thing we left with last week was people are more important with money. So, so out of everything we talked about last week, if that was all you grasped, that would change your life right there. If we always remember to prioritize people are the top of the list. Money, stuff, everything else is below people. And that's the way it is in God's economy. That should be the way it is in our priority system as well. Uh, so the last few weeks, we've looked at some different quotes about money. I want to give you a few more today. Some of they're not Bible quotes. They're just from things that you find out there. Uh, some of them are interesting, thought provoking. Some of them are funny. But a couple quotes this morning. One says the real measure of your wealth is how much you'd be worth if you lost all your money. Somebody had some good priorities when they made that statement. How much am I worth if money was completely out of the equation? Because what's most important, we just said a couple minutes ago, people. That's the true measure of our worth. So that was one quote. Another one, never spend your money before you have it. How many of us have ever gotten in trouble or know somebody? Maybe don't raise your hand on that one. That's, that wasn't an altar call. Everybody, everybody raise your hand. You know who said that? We should never spend our money before we have it. Thomas Jefferson. What would he think if he looked at how the government operates today? 
running, running trillion dollar deficits. And, and here one of the founding fathers says, hey, we should never spend our money before we have it. Man, we, should, we could learn some lessons from going back to them. Here's, I like this quote. It says, always borrow money from a pessimist. He won't expect it back. Some of you, it took a little bit longer to get that one. Man, he's never going to pay me back anyway. Always borrow money from a pessimist. Here's another one. Don't cry over money. Money never cries over you. Pulled it out of my pocket. I looked. George Washington doesn't have tears streaming down his face. Money doesn't cry for you, so don't cry over money. And then this last one was a sign I saw in a store somewhere. It said, in God we trust, all others must pay cash. So God is trustworthy. People, not so much, are they? So in God we trust, all others must pay cash. And then uh, this cartoon, somebody actually sent me this this week from the church, said, since you're talking about money, here's a cartoon for you. Uh, This is the, the picture that people in the world have is we chase money until we die. That's the pursuit. It's out there. We're always after it. We're always trying to get more of it. We're trying to get a bigger house, a better car, more clothes, all this stuff that money needs. And we chase, 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 and then we die. How fruitless is that? We can be people that break that cycle and show the world that there is a different way. Money is money is supposed to be a tool. But if it's the thing that's leading us and driving us and we're always chasing it, it's out of whack in our lives. And we can stop that. God has given us the ability, the wisdom, the understanding and the power to break that cycle and get off that treadmill. And we said uh, last week, one of the quickest ways to get out of a bad relationship with money, like being on the treadmill, is to begin to give. So today we're going to talk about the power of generosity and what it does and releases in our lives. Uh, So the first thing I wanted to tell you this morning, generosity will produce good character in our lives. Did you ever stop and think about that? How many of you ever got the lecture from your parents? You know, you need to do this because it's the right thing and you'll be a better person because of it. And our parents love us when they say that. It's all about wanting to see integrity and good character fashion in our lives. Amazingly, if you start to look through Scripture, one of the ways that we get good character in our lives is becoming a generous person. I'll, make, I'll even go so far as to make this statement. The more that you give, the more that you look like God. Because what is one of the first and foremost attributes of God? The verse, the verse we always, the first verse we ever memorize in Sunday school. What is it? Come on. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. That's one of the primary parts of God's nature is he is a giver. He did things that I didn't even know I needed them when he gave them to me. Okay, I was an enemy of God. I was far from him. I was living my own life. And he still went out of his way to give because that's part of his nature. And after he saved me, he continues to give. It's amazing. There's gifts that he has. There's things, empowerments. There's things he produces in my life that I may not have even been aware that I needed him. But because of his nature, that he is a giver. They begin to appear in my life. If I will receive them and steward them, I see them more and more in my life. When we begin to give ourselves and become generous people, we begin to look more like the Father. Because above everything else, He is a giver. Thank God He's a giver. How many of you... It's it's like if I had to figure out what I needed before I could even ask God for it, that, that would just be terrible. I'd, I'd waste most of my life just even trying to figure out how do I how do I ever get to the point where I realize I need a savior. I need the life of Jesus in me. And he gave before scripture says, while we were still sinners. That's an amazing thing that God does. 
We were created in His image. And the entire process of sanctification is getting our mind wrapped around, I need to be like God. I need to let that image that He put in there somewhere come out on the outside. And one of the ways that we do that is when we begin to give because it makes us look more like Him. And it's amazing. If if people really are the most important thing, it is amazing when we begin to give to people how that changes our perception of people. Because sometimes we pray this prayer. Have you ever prayed a prayer like this? Lord, help me to see people through your eyes. It sounds so good. It's, 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 such a, it's an awesome prayer to pray, really. And, it, and sometimes we'll pray because we think it sounds good or it makes us look good. But it really is a truth. We need to see people through the eyes of the Lord. And one of the ways that those eyes of the Lord begin to get opened in our lives is when we begin to give. And to be generous when we begin to love people to such an extent that we'll go out of our way to meet their needs and to be generous to them. It changes how we see people. There begins to be a compassion and a love that develops inside of us. The character and nature of God actually begins to get formed in us. And how about this? I thought about this as we were talking about the power of generosity. Think about how bad sin is and how it trips us up and the the things that it produces in our lives. Most of sin and sinful actions is rooted in selfishness. Did you ever stop and think about that? All the sins that people do. If you you did like a little chart, a family tree of sin and trace them all back, where, where would they all originate from in some form or fashion? It's selfishness. I can do this. I will be like God. If I eat this apple... I will, I will, I will. It all has to do with selfishness. When we begin to give, it's like the antidote for selfishness. Selfishness gets, gets destroyed when we choose to give. When we begin to be a generous person, selfishness begins to be worked out of our lives. It begins to be eradicated. And guess what else follows after that? Sin begins to leave our lives. Because I've become a generous person and I care more about others than I do about pleasing myself. If you don't get anything else out of today, that's powerful right there. If, if I want to get selfishness out of my life and all the bad stuff that it produces in me, I need to begin to give. And it begins to destroy those things that selfishness has built in my life. How about this verse? Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19. It says, Work hard and you'll have all you desire, but chase a fantasy and you could end up with nothing. Verse 20 says, life's blessings drench the honest and faithful person, but punishment rains down upon the greedy and dishonest. There is a link between character and seeing blessings. There is, there is a link between the things that are produced in our lives when we give and seeing the blessings of God flow. I, if, if I get to pick, which if I'm going to get wet one way or the other, do you, ever, do you ever go ride Raging Rapids at Kennywood or something? You're just trying to pick which seat am I going to be in. Do I want to get a little wet or am I going to get a lot wet? You're going to get wet one way or the other. If you're going to get wet one way or the other, I would much rather be drenched with the blessings of God than have punishment rain down upon me. If we want to be drenched with the blessings of God, part of it is being a giver, being a person of honesty, integrity, being a person that's kind to others, letting that character and nature of God be formed in us. I'm going to pick the blessings of God. And it's, I think it's amazing. God is the one that ultimately prospers us, right? We, we can't even earn wealth or produce anything without his ability in our lives. But in this verse, he shows that we have a part to play in that. He says, work hard. And you'll have all you desire. 
man, we, we like the blessings of God. Drench me, Lord. I want all those blessings, but we skip over that work hard part. But it's in the scripture. He wants to pour out all those things in our lives, but we do have a part to play in developing our character and our work ethic and, and being a person that will put our hands to something. Uh, I think that's uh, in Second Thessalonians. It refers to that. You know, he says, I gave you this command. Don't be idle. If you don't work, you don't eat. And, and Paul even goes so far. He says, I, I've heard there are some that they're not busy. They're busy bodies. You ever read that verse? He, sa- he says, the point of it is you need to be doing something productive. There, there is a part to play. You want to see the blessings of God activated in our lives. We have a part to play in putting our hands to something to develop that character and that nature of God in us. And what happens, the, the amazing thing is God entrusts more to people that develop that good character. Luke 16:11 says, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? There's something about God that he is pleased when we begin to be trustworthy and be a person, be a good steward, be a person that that takes care of our money and becomes generous with it. It releases other things in our lives. Man, it is really hot in here, isn't it? For for the middle of January, praise God, it's it's warm. It's like a heat wave. We're in the middle of a polar vortex and all of a sudden it's like 40 degrees out and I want to put my shorts on and... Go surfing with Tom at the beach. Woo! Man, if you're, if you're too hot, just fan your neighbor and say it'll be over soon. I, I can endure suffering for a little while for the glory that is set before me. Uh, so here's another question I get. So generosity will produce good character in our lives. How about this one? People ask me sometimes, well, how much do I need to have before I start giving? Do you, ever, do you ever ask yourself that question? Or you, you hear somebody say it this way, uh, I'd like to give, Pastor Chris, but we're just not able to right now. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard that, I would have more dollars than those people what they gave when they couldn't give. We can't afford not to give. I mean, that's, that's a cliche. We probably all heard it in a sermon somewhere, but there is something that it produces in our lives. We can't afford not to give no matter how much we have in our pocket at the time. There, there is something about generosity that can be developed independently of wealth. Okay, it doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket to become generous. There, there are people that tell me, well, if, if I would just hit the lottery, Pastor Chris, you'd, you'd get a nice check at the church. I'll start to tithe if I had, you know, this unexpected windfall. No, you won't. If, if you weren't a giver beforehand, you're not going to have some miraculous change in your character just because all of a sudden somebody dumps a million dollars in your lap. Giving is a heart attitude that is able to start no matter where we are in the scheme of things. So I want to show just a quick little video to kind of drive that point home this morning. So if you guys want to roll that. Is there any way I could ask some food? Any way I could ask some food? I'm very hungry. Thank you. Is there any way I could ask some food? I'm very hungry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, excuse me, sir. Are you hungry? 
we, we actually just bought some food to give to someone, and uh, we were wondering if you would like it. I mean, it's two burgers and fries and a drink. If Would you like it? All right, yeah, of course, man. Yeah, of course. Have a good day, man. Anyway, I could have some food. I'm really hungry. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you. How long have you been out here? How long have you been out here? Excuse me, sir. Hey, I, I'm just paying it forward, and I'm I'm actually just helping people that are in need, and you know I want to give you some te like ten bucks, so you know you can. Yeah, no problem. Have a great day. I'm not from around here, man. No, where are you from? I'm from Florida. Florida. Man, how'd you get out here? You don't happen, I mean, you don't happen to have a dollar I, I could have? Yeah. Share a dollar? Yeah, you get a dollar for it. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. You give me $10. Hey, thank there you. you Appreciate it. Don't worry about it. Thank you. What's your name? Jimmy. Jimmy? Jeremy. God bless you. Hey, Jimmy. Take care, okay? Yeah. Have a good one. Thank you. something wouldn't share but when they gave food and they gave money to the homeless people and then went up later and said hey were you willing to share hey no problem here it is I'm here's the blessings that I've been given I'm going to give them to you Jesus gave us an example of that in Mark chapter 12 in verse 41 it says they they went to the temple and they sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and they watched the crowd coming and putting their offerings in that you guys think Hey, I don't like standing up to pray when we give our offering. What if, what if we did it the way in Jesus' day where we had everybody walk up in front where everybody else is watching them and put our offering in the plate? Talk about uncomfortable, but it became a show. So here's all these guys that were coming to put in. It says many rich people threw in large amounts. And verse 42 says a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Jesus demonstrates to them that the, the baseline for giving can be starting in poverty. You, you might be thinking, I don't have anything to give. There's nothing extra. It's all I have to live on. And Jesus says that doesn't make a difference. You can still be a giver and start even in a place of poverty where I can give out of my lack. Uh, he shows that giving is actually more of a heart attitude than it is an amount. 
Because here's this widow, her two copper coins, all she had to live on. And here's these guys coming and throwing in sacks of money. They're giving out of their wealth. And Jesus says, she's put in more. Did the disciples turn around and say, you're not very good at math, Jesus. You know, were were those two like collectible coins that she threw in there? You know, they're worth $100,000 a piece and she put them in the offering. No, it was because what was in her heart. She gave more because she gave out of her lack. It says they all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Is it really true generosity if I don't miss it when it's gone? That was a question. I, I heard that this, this week as I was thinking about this sermon. And, and that was one that I was like, ow, Lord, that, that kind of hurts. Is it really true generosity if I don't miss it when it's gone? Because it says those guys gave out of their wealth. We got so much that I'm not even going to miss it. Sure, give me that bag of gold. I'll go, I'll go make a big show of putting it in the offering at the temple. And everybody will see me and they'll know how much I'm worth. And it'll look like I'm so generous. And it says they gave out of their wealth. It was their abundance. They didn't even miss it when it was gone. But she gave out of her lack, out of her poverty. Now you know why I said, ah, when I heard that. When I give something, do I even miss it when it's gone? Is it really a challenge for me to give it? Is it generous if I haven't missed it? So just like everything else in life, and, and please hear me, we're not just talking about money. It could be anything, giving, giving the guy food, giving out of our time, giving our energy, giving our resources to people. It could be anything. But just like everything else in life with giving, Jesus looks more at the heart than the amount. God, God is always interested in what's going on inside in our heart than he is what happens on the outside. And it's the same thing with giving. He's looking at the attitude that's within us when we give more than the amount we put in the plate. Or give to a person. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about giving to church specifically next week. But now we're just we're talking about just being a generous people. And what Jesus did in that story with the woman with the two coins, he puts us all on an equal footing. As far as God's concerned, it didn't matter if you're a billionaire or if you only had two little coins to put in the plate. Everybody is on the same footing as far as God's concerned. Because he's looking at what's going on in your heart and the attitude that we have when we give to others. Here's another story in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, Paul was talking about the church in Macedonia and they had promised to take up a collection to send to Jerusalem because there were other people in need. And uh, Paul says this about them in chapter 8, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And, you know, stop right there. Paul is funny because he was like, in what he's writing here, he's actually given them a little bit of a needle. Like, can you be generous like them? It, what's, what's your church going to step up to the plate to do? So he's telling them, look what the Macedonian church has done. Don't let your lack be an excuse not to give and participate in what God's doing. Verse 2, he says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Story that Jesus said, you can start when you're in poverty. You can begin to give. Paul reaffirms it. He says, look, poverty is not an excuse not to give. And he said it wasn't just regular old poverty. I feel a little broke. He said extreme poverty. The whole church was almost destitute. They didn't have it to give. It says they gave even beyond their ability. How do we do that? 
Has, has any one of us, and I'm lumping myself in the same boat, have we ever given beyond our ability? Was, was there a time when we heard God say, hey, I'd like you to do this, and it was like, that scares me, Lord. I don't see how that's going to happen. I mean, I've, I've told this story before, so I won't belabor all the details of it. But we gave one time. It was my whole check for the week. And I, I was sitting in the middle of a service and I heard God say, I want you to put your whole check in the offering next week. That was beyond our ability to give. Because at the time, we, we were still younger in our marriage. We were kind of living paycheck to paycheck. And it was like, God, how's that going to work? And then I, I start to rationalize it. Well, God, did you really just mean this amount? Like this nice round amount or this, did, maybe you met Pam's paycheck that week. Okay, God, I get it. And I didn't hear anything else because I knew that I'd heard the first time and I needed to obey. And it was beyond our ability. And so we obeyed. And that week when, when I was at work, I got my paycheck. We signed the whole thing over and gave it to the church and we're excited and happy about it. Never missed a bill. Never went without having food on the table for our kids. God provided for us because we were obedient, even though it was beyond our ability to give. And that's where the, 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 the reality of God comes into the picture when we realize that our ability to give is rooted in God's ability to provide. Then it raises our faith and we can begin to give more because we realize I, I didn't get this myself in the first place. God has blessed me with everything that I have and my ability to give comes from his ability to bless me. And in, in, in the economy of God, if I get it straight that God is able to bless more than I could think or imagine, then giving doesn't become such a challenge because I realize I can give beyond my own ability because I'm giving with supernatural ability. It's what God has given to me. And he said he'll always take care of me. The answer to how much am I able to give is whatever God has asked you to give. That's it. It's not rocket science. I don't have a little chart in the back of my Bible. Like, oh, Tom and Rose, you make this much, you should give this much. And the answer to the question, how much should I give? And it's not just a church. It's being generous with people in the workplace. When you see somebody in need, the answer to how much should I give is whatever God has asked of me. I just I, I obey and he blesses me and it's awesome. It's a fantastic deal. I don't worry about it. I'm, I am playing with house money. Can I put it that way for anybody that's been a gambler among us? Uh, I am playing with house money because it all came from him anyway. I am just stewarding it and watching over it, hopefully multiplying it, taking care of it, but also giving it away whenever he asks me to. How much should I give? Well, how much has God asked you to give? I, I had a friend tell me one time, he, he stood up in front of his congregation. He says, if God told you to put $5 in the offering this week, don't you dare put in 20 it's like, oh, how'd that go for you? He's <laughs> like, it was a great offering. Yeah, we had an amazing giving time. But it was like he was encouraging people, be obedient to what God said. Don't, don't be like the guys that were walking up before the widow put her two coins in. And, oh, I'm, I'm just putting in all this stuff because I can and I won't miss it. What did God tell you to give? What has he spoken to your heart? Scripture, this is an amazing thing. I'm, I'm going to make this statement to you. Scripture actually promises a material blessing for being generous. That means stuff. That means money. Scripture promises that you will be blessed with material stuff if you are a generous person. Now, here's the balance. If we give only with an expectation to get, then you're not going to get blessed. 
you've missed the point. If, if you look at it as an investment opportunity, oh, well, pastor said, if, if I put in this check, I'm going to be blessed in material ways. So I'm going to sow a seed of $10 and I believe I'm going to get a new car next week. That's not going to happen. You've, you've short-circuited the process. If that's our attitude, that is not generosity. That's manipulation. Okay, God, I, I can twist your arm. I can, I can try to comply with these rules so that you'll have to bless me. God says, keep your heart pure and you'll see blessings poured out in your life as you become a generous person. God is amazing. You, you can't chase the stuff, but as soon as you become generous, he gives you the stuff. It's, it's a deal. I'm, I'm telling you, it is a deal, but you can't make that the object of your pursuit. He must remain the object of your pursuit. And as we become generous, he blesses us. Our primary goal should be, be to be generous and advance the kingdom. Just, I love you, Lord. I'm going to give. And then we see the other stuff happen. Here's a, here's a couple of verses just to back up what I'm saying there. Uh, a couple of quotes from Jesus directly. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. So not just here, hold this for a second, but let's shake it all down so we can fit as much as we possibly can in the container we're going to give to you. Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. It says abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. How much do I want to see God bless me in my life? How generous of a person am I and to the people around me? How much of a giver am I? That's how much we'll be blessed back by God. If we give just a little bit. Here's, here, here it is. Don't say, oh, I was generous. I, I gave that guy that was panhandling a quarter last week. Don't only give him a quarter and then wonder, why am I not seeing these amazing blessings poured out in my life? Because we're, we're standing there with a, with a 50-gallon drum waiting for the blessings of God to be poured out, and we're pouring out our blessings with a thimble. The measure that we use to bless others is the measure he blesses us back with. That's not now. Those aren't quotes from the newspaper. That's Bible right there. That that was actually Jesus speaking, saying the same way that we pour out to others is the way that we'll receive it. And without getting out of focus and weird about getting money back or the big return on investment, what would our giving look like if we actually took that promise of Jesus what he really said there. If we said, oh, that's truth. The more I pour out, the more I'll give back. If I need a big breakthrough in my life, I should give more. If I want to get out of this hole, I need to begin to give. Whatever it is, what if we said, Jesus, the same measure I pour out to others is what I will receive. Here's another one. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What are the all these things? What was he talking about in chapter 6? Anybody remember? They just had a big discussion about what are we going to wear? Where are we going to live? What are we going to eat? The stuff that the world tells you to pursue, that we're, that we're running after trying to get. In the world's economy, it says pursue the stuff and try to get it. In God's economy, he says pursue me and you get the stuff. Amen. And the stuff, it will be better because it comes with, with no worries and no concern. I, I add it to you. That's the economy of God is pursue him first. What if we actually became more concerned about extending his kingdom than pursuing the stuff? 
we would find out that we get the stuff anyway. He's, he's never forsaken the righteous. Proverbs 28.8. This, this is a good verse. He says, Go ahead and get rich on the backs of the poor, but all the wealth you gather will one day be given to those who are kind to the needy. You can get rich on the backs of the poor. You can take advantage of people and make a profit. You, you can be someone that's greedy, that cuts every corner, that tries to get ahead, and you will get rich. And what will happen is all the wealth you gather will one day be given those, to those who are kind to the needy. That verse doesn't say that all wealthy people are bad. Because <laughs> sometimes I think that's the extreme people go to. Oh, the, the 99% and the 1%, and they're at war, and you've got all the money. You, all you wealthy people are evil. That's not what that verse says. It's all about how did you get there? Was it a blessing from God that you received? You were generous and thankful with it? Or did you try to pursue stuff and get there yourself on the backs of the poor? And it also, if you read that verse closely, it doesn't say that the wealth will just be given to the needy. It says the wealth will be given to those who are kind to the needy. Because they know how to take care and administrate it and God trusts them because they are people of character, because they become generous. People that are kind to the needy. In other words, being someone who is giving actually activates that promise of the blessings coming to you. I'm going to be someone that's kind to the needy that causes the blessings to flow in my life. Think about, uh, if, if you go back and read the story in Acts later, when Cornelius received the gospel, how did, how did God know to send Peter? How did, how did that whole thing happen? If you go back and read the story of Cornelius, it says an angel appeared to him and says, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. God actually sees and remembers what we give to the needy. And it activates something in our lives. In, in Cornelius's case, what it activated was he received eternal riches because Peter came and preached the gospel to him and his whole household got saved. But it was his gifts to the poor in conjunction with his prayers. Here's just a couple more and then we'll wrap up today. Proverbs 28, 27. You will never go without. Everybody say never. never. You will never go without if you give to the poor. How about that? I will never go without myself if I'm willing to give to the poor. He says, but if you're heartless, stingy and selfish, you invite curses upon yourself. When it says the word selfish there, that literally implies that we avert our eyes from the poor. Have you ever done that? You walk down the street and you don't want to make eye contact with the people that are there because they're going to ask you for money. We avert our eyes from the poor. We look the other way. Pam says no. She's never done that in her whole life. I, I'm guilty. <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm admitting it. Hi, my name is Chris and I've averted my eyes from the poor. It's confessional time, I guess. Um, that's what that implies, that, that we walk around and we see the plight of people that are in need, that are helpless, that can't get out of the position they're in, and we look the other way because we don't want to be bothered. It says that invites curses upon ourselves, but if we give to the needy, if we give to the poor, we will never go without. Why did David, see, I, why did David say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread? Why did he say that? Because righteous people know how to give to the poor. And God promised that if you give to the poor, you'll never go without. And here's the, the last verse I want to read for you this morning. And then we'll close. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says it very explicitly. Generosity 
brings prosperity. Say that to your neighbor. Generosity brings prosperity. We, we wonder, why am I not prospering in my life? Why am I not seeing the blessings of God happen for me? And we're choosing not to be generous. It says generosity brings prosperity, but withholding from charity brings poverty. The one who lives to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them, and the one who pours out his life to pour blessings will be saturated with favor. Generosity brings prosperity. And, and I know, you know, prosperity has gotten a bad rap in some churches and the way that some pe- people preach it. But God promises to prosper his people. And one of the ways he does that is when we're generous. If, if you find a church that's preaching against prosperity, then they must preach against generosity also. Because prosperity is a byproduct of being a generous person, according to Proverbs chapter 11 right there. If we want to be prosperous, we need to be generous. Do we live to bless others? Favor is a great return on our investment. Favor with people, favor with God, favor everywhere we go. Doors open, things happen, stuff comes. Favor comes when we are generous to others. Let's go ahead and stand. I want to pray for us this morning. One of the things I want to pray is for us to, for God to help us to develop lives of consistent generosity. Wherever that is, whatever it looks like, whether it's money, whether it's food, whether it's just helping people with our time. How many of you know you can be generous by saying, oh, you need help moving next weekend. I'll show up and help you. That's the way to be generous with your time. Pam, you have something? Yeah, you know, I'm sitting there and I thought of this story. Gosh, I'm so all about stories. God's so cool. But I was thinking about this week at the food bank. Thursday we were here and... You know, this lady comes in the door who's a regular at the food bank, and um, we're giving out food. And, and it was a delivery, it was a uh, grocery truck week this week. You know, we just had so much food, and God gave us such a testimony in how we've gotten free food this month. So we got to spend money in just great ways, right, Joyce? Just an amazing testimony to see what God's done with the food pantry. And uh, anyway, this lady comes in, and we know her, and, you know, we've, we've seen her, and she comes in, and. We do the paperwork, and she's getting her bags, and she just starts complaining. You know, she starts talking about, why, why are you giving me this food? I don't eat this food, you know? What am I going to do with this? When are you going to start giving out something that somebody really needs, somebody wants, somebody eats? And, you know, I'm sitting there, and we're all in the room, you know, everybody that's helping with it, and we hear it, and anybody else that was in the, in the line, they're hearing it too. And, uh, you know, the first thought in my head is, I can't help but love her. I just can't help but love her, you know? And I was like, uh, I was like, you know, I'm sorry. If it's something you can't eat, you give it back to us. We'll take it. We'll give it to somebody. We'll give you what you need. If we have it, we'll give it to you. And she backs up immediately, you know, and she's like, oh, I'll eat it. Somebody will eat it. Her whole, her whole tune changes. And it was at like that point, you know, she's like, when are you going to give me that Bible? You told me you'd give me a Bible. When are you going to give me that Bible? She started accusing. And then she just totally just changed and she broke down and she's like, you know, thank you. Thank you for giving this on her way out the door. Thank you. And it wasn't like this amazing transformation. I don't know what life is like when she walked out that door. But I know for all of us in that room, I said, don't you say a word against that woman. Don't let anything come in my heart 
that would say a word against someone who doesn't know how to receive. Because God never stopped giving. Wow, I'm a mess. I'm a mess right now. I'm crazy. Don't ever stop sharing the love of Jesus because that's why we are here. That's who we are. That's what we do. I don't care what people say to you. I don't care what you say to me. I'm not going to stop loving you. I'm not going to stop giving you what I've got. And you know what? If it challenges me, all the more I know it's God. If it's simple for me to love and to give, then you know what? Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Come on. God's looking deeper in the heart of the matter for every single one of us. It doesn't matter whether we're millionaires or we don't make a dime. It doesn't matter. He so wants us to know the love that comes from his heart for every single person we encounter in our life. And I really feel like that's exactly what God wants us to know. It doesn't matter whether they're five or whether they're 55 or 85. He is a giver of love. He gives love. He gives life. That's who we are. That's who New Life Fellowship is. That's who the kingdom of God is. So hear that. No matter what place you're in, whether you're needing whatever it is, food, spiritual or natural, whether you've got it to give Let him give through you. It doesn't matter. Give where you are because he wants your heart. He wants our heart. Thank you, God, you want our heart. Thank you that I don't have to have a million dollars. Thank you that I can give my heart. I can give my love. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so let's just pray. Thank you, Lord. God, I just thank you. Wow, I thank you that you hold nothing back from us, that you did love us so much. You gave everything. You gave your life for us. You gave your son, Jesus, you gave your life. And so we ask that you let your heart, your image, your very DNA be seen in all of us. Develop that nature even more. God, that's so my prayer. That is our prayer, God. Don't let us be those that would be selfish. Don't let us be those that would take Don't let our hands ever be closed. Develop that sweet generosity so that we can see the beauty of what you bring back in our lives, God. For your glory, for your name to be known, for your kingdom to be established, God. It's for you and we get to be a part of that. And so I thank you, God, for giving us testimonies. Deal with our hearts here and now, God, because your love is that good. Deal with our hearts and let us be such a beautiful representation of who you are here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to challenge us this afternoon as we go out. Be looking for opportunities to be generous. You don't, you don't hear something like that and get that prayer prayed over you and then God doesn't give you opportunities. So be aware. Be on the lookout for chances to be generous even this afternoon. And uh, God, thank you for your people. Just bless us as we go. Continue to let your favor be upon us, your face shine on us. Lord, we love you today. We thank you that as we leave, you direct our steps into places that you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name.